Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Today's show is brought to you by the award-winning NordVPN. I've been using Nord for years now because it secures my internet traffic and keeps my data private, especially when traveling or on public Wi-Fi. NordVPN has servers in 60 countries, does not log your data, unlocks Netflix and other geographic restrictions on entertainment content, and has a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best deal on a subscription, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com slash NordVPN or use the promo code BT future. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Matt Johnston. He's the CEO and founder of Guide Social. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Kevin. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing is really innovative and cool, but maybe before we get into all that fun stuff, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Cool. Yeah. Um, I grew up in, uh, near Syracuse. Okay. Uh, cool. For those of you who live in the States, I, I grew up near Syracuse, New York. So it's like upstate New York and uh, small town. Um, I've, I've had a billion careers. I feel like <laughs> over time, I went to college up there too. And I was, I was, um, I was obsessed when I was in college for some reason with, I had a great professor as sometimes happens in college and he sort of became a mentor and I was obsessed with, getting into theater. Okay. So I actually ended up uh, starting like a theater career out of college during high school, whatever. There's not, you know, like who knows during high school, I was in a ska band. That's about all I can say about high school. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to know what we were called? We were called a chick named Kate. That's awesome. Perfect. Right. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> no, but, I, but then I really go ahead. I know. I, I think a lot of people in tech or, or in the online space, are, are heavily still into music, still play music, did play music. I find that the yeah. connection between the two is so similar. And I think even the industries are kind of similar in a lot of respects. Yeah, totally. It's like that sort of like casual, innovative, like I think a lot of people in tech and, 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 and such don't like, they almost think of themselves as artists. So yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Sure. So what did you actually take though in university and why? Oh yeah, I went so, so so I was in college. Yeah, uh, I, I was an English and a political science major, okay. and I don't know. I just really took to theater, and so I ended up out of school. I ended up dropping myself in Manhattan, and I directed plays for seven years wow. in New York City. I was just sort of grinding away in the New York City theater scene and having a lot of fun, making a lot of friends, being a twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five year old, and eventually I just like sort of like my passion for it ran out. Um, and it was a grind. Like I was like working like nine to five in a job that I wasn't super passionate about. And then I would go direct plays from like seven to 10. And, you know, I just sort of ended up, you know, like just sort of, I, I wanted to try something different. So I went back to grad school. So I went back to Syracuse at the, to the Newhouse school, okay. uh, in their journalism program. And, um, so I got, uh, 
an MS there in, in broadcast and digital journalism because I always enjoyed media. I was like the sports director in my radio station in college. And I was always like, I think I might get back into radio because I've like, radio used to be my huge piece of me, actually. Um, I actually, I was like, for, for a year, I worked in radio operations and I was on air at um, a public radio station before I moved to Manhattan. And then all during college, I was like, I called play by play for like hundreds of games on the radio. Cool. And I just sort of loved that stuff. So I was like, what should I go back to school with to get like a real career? <laughs> you know, because I was directing plays for all those years. And I was like, oh, the media is cool. So that's when I went to Syracuse. I ended up producing TV news in Las Vegas for a couple of years and then uh, eventually transitioned to digital, which is sort of where I ended up. So I ended up at Business Insider. Okay. Um, I was there for two years. I helped launch Tech Insider, wow. which, um, which was their uh, sort of tech spinoff blog, which ended up folding a year or two after I left. Uh, well, it, it folded back into Business Insider, but we were super successful on the video side, like billions and billions of views. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was an editor at Business Insider and then New York Magazine hired me to build their video program from scratch. They, it's a huge brand, but they, they've been around for 60 years. You know, it's like Vulture and The Cut and all these brands, but they never had, they didn't have video. Interesting. And eventually they were just like, we need to have video. So they sort of poached me away from Business Insider and they told me to build a team. And, you know, I built up a team of, you know, sort of, I think, I think we had a little over a dozen people when I left. Uh, I briefly ran video for men's and women's health after that, um, runner's world, bicycling, all of those things until that, that, that company actually sold very shortly after I got there, they were called Rodale. Um, and then I moved on to now this where I built out three new lifestyle channels. If you know, now this, uh, they're, they're like the biggest Facebook video news publisher. Oh, very cool. So you've, you've probably seen them like, like if, if you've ever watched news videos where they're like text on screen format with the big yellow text, chances are that it was, it's a now this video because they're, they're enormous. So I built out their sports money and food channels and uh, that was successful. That was super cool. And then I started my own company. So I've had a billion careers, like it's just like a billion careers, but I think it's cool. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. Though. I learned a lot from them. That's good. That's I've sort of always been linked to storytelling. Like I try to, I try to like find threads throughout my because I, I just sort of move with the wind and I'm like a big fan of this when I talk to people or like I consult like younger younger folk like what should I do like oh I feel like I should do this I'm getting pressured to do this and I'm just like just whatever man like just go like do whatever your heart tells you in that moment because who knows um just go for it and um it always worked out for me like I I, I just ended up finding my way and things just sort of worked out how they worked out and but I do think as I'm looking back at the threads of like, like a pretty cool, but like totally like all over the place career. Like, um, I mean, it really was sort of all storytelling. Okay. It was all a piece of it. I mean, now we're doing video and PR and stuff and we're doing, we're doing storytelling for other companies. I started in theater. I was telling stories as a journalist. So I guess there was sort of like a storytelling thread there if I have to look back, but um, yeah, certainly. My resume, is, uh, it's, I don't know, it's a fun resume. I'm just sort of all over the place. I just follow, follow my heart around, around the world, just see where it takes me. Sure. Now I have kids, so I'm, I'm not going to move anytime soon now. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. Well, no, but I also think too that it is good advice that you don't necessarily need to figure everything out. And I think a lot of people 
that will tell you they knew what they were going to do. It's so rare these days, right? That a lot of people, I think, change careers and move around a bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think it's so normal nowadays. It used to have a stigma. Yeah. yeah. Like they would call you like a job hopper or something, <laughs> but not, not only is it normalized, but like, stop caring what other people think already. Yeah. hundred you know? percent agree. Yeah. No, fair <laughs> enough. So, so what yeah. exactly is guide social and, and why did you start it up? I, well, I started it up because I mean, I, I knew I wanted to start my own business. I was really good social media okay um in general because when I, I mean that was always my thing was i was like the facebook video guy like I, I went and built huge facebook video teams and i at at business insider i was helping run their social media i was rewriting and managing headlines and stuff across 200 250 posts a day and and so i was just i don't know i was looking around at small businesses and i was kind of like, okay i want to start my own thing like how can I help small businesses? Well, I see them and they're all a little like, they, they all seem a little lost on social media. Maybe I can just sort of help them. I didn't know anything about like the market or anything. And so I say, you know, I just started working with some, like a couple of small businesses that I was like helping them, you know, being really underpaid to like make videos for them and like do some of their social media stuff. That's sort of how it started was just, how can I help like more innovative small businesses make more of an impact because I knew that they're like they weren't in a position to like spend tons of money on like advertising and stuff like that so how could I help them because I like just really wanted to help them like I love like innovative little small businesses and stuff it sort of turned into a but again like my career because I just love to blow with the wind it's probably <laughs> hard I have a business partner her name's Jamie she's amazing but I, I mean I'm sure that I drive her crazy sometimes because <laughs> I'm always like going to the next thing. I'm just like, ah, let's let let let's let's turn our company into like uh, uh, a manufacturer of candlesticks that like uh, <laughs> we have to, like always trying to like that's obviously fake, but like I'm always like trying to like find the new thing and I'm getting excited about it and I have no problem like pivoting like 180 degrees at any moment because <laughs> it's just exciting to me. Uh, but uh, that's what happened in the business. Like we started, like I invested in a little bit of mentorship and I ended up doing a bunch of like Facebook ads okay. like everybody else is for a while. That's like sort of, there's all these Facebook ads agencies cropping up and I was one of them and just sort of figuring out and I built a great community there and we ended up pivoting to video at a certain point, moving just to YouTube ads and like viral brand awareness campaigns. Um, I just saw sort of like a good opportunity in YouTube ads. I still do. It's a great space to be in. We still do run some YouTube ad campaigns for some clients. Uh, there's, it's just, I mean, obviously there's huge amount of viewership, way more potential there than television. And uh, you know, you, you have to have the right people to do it. And there's not a lot of competition there. So it was really sort of a great space. We're sort of moving away from that a bit, but it's, it is still a great space. And then when I was at now this New York magazine and stuff, I used to do a lot of branded content. I partnered with like Toyota and Chase and Campbell's and all of these companies to make these big branded content video campaigns. And so when I started this company, I was kind of like, oh, we can like, I can do that kind of stuff in house. Like I've got all of the, why don't I just do that? So then we started moving into that, into that kind of stuff. Now we're going into more PRE, PRE type stuff too. So, I mean, I think just like with anything and for the entrepreneurs listening, like again, like unless you have a physical product, which is like, and again, even with physical products, but like sometimes a company is built around one physical product. Sometimes it's a company like mine, which is more of a service related, re related thing. So it's a little bit more malleable, but you know, 
I always recommend following your gut and not being afraid to pivot at the beginning because I just feel like everybody figures it out. Yeah. You know, I mean, just, it figures, it figures itself out if you trust your gut. No, that, that's actually really good advice. So you guys recently launched a new program called Vesta. What exactly is it? And, and what did you, what is, what are you guys doing with it? We're trying to like help. I wanted to create something like totally different that's never existed before. And we were sort of thinking about that. And then the, the first question that we asked ourselves was like, who do we like working with the most? So like, who, who do we want to serve the most? And so we've had some really great clients um, that are small businesses with innovative products. Like I think our best one, like, like our favorite one that we'd worked with over the past year, we're still working with them. They're called Free Bowler and they developed this, uh, this device that it, it, it's the first ever non-electric uh, ball uh, thrower of cricket balls. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know how much you all know about cricket. May, may, maybe not much. I didn't know much before I took them on. That's for sure. But you know, it's like, it's like a baseball pitching machine. Okay. Uh, but it's, it's the first one that sort of replicates the experience of being with an actual, of, of, of being in an actual game, except it's not electric and it's portable and it's, um, and it's much cheaper than the comp. So, so it's completely innovative. Nobody's ever done it before. And they have this great like spirit. And we were just sort of like, it would be really cool if we could find ways to continuously work with those folks and even folks that have some like lower price products than that even because um, having been in the Facebook ad side for so long, I sort of know what the ROIs look like. And if you have a, if you have a product under a hundred dollars, it's extreme. Like the, the, the calculators don't work out very well for you <laughs> for running direct response advertising. They just don't. I mean, I mean, some people hack it, um, but especially if you're at fifty dollars and under, it's going to be really hard to to profitably run direct response advertising. And so I'm just thinking to myself, like, and Jamie too. We were just like, okay, so the people that we want to serve the most can't be served by direct advertising. So how are they going to actually like make a dent at all? A lot of them probably just feel like they're going to have to fold at some point. And maybe you are listening to this and you feel like that. You know, if you have, I know that I've felt like that with a small business before. Like, at what point is this just not going to work anymore? Um, or like, how do I get seen? How do I get sales? All these things. So we developed something a little bananas to serve those folks. And the, basically, we're uh, we're basically going to be building communities for for small businesses. Uh, we're going to be building communities. We're going to be generating massive amounts of social proof and endorsements that are public and hosting them all. Uh, and we're going to be um, paying for traffic and boosting and using all of our organic power to do it. We're building a media brand based on everything that I learned at Business Insider and Tech Insider. We're building an innovation media brand that exists now. And uh, we're going to be using the power that we build through that brand to uh, get lots of attention to these businesses, um, which they deserve, and communities. Because when you can't direct advertise, and even if you can, we're like everybody, I just, I just think that, that advertising is broken right now. I just think that everything is broken. Interesting. I would agree with you. But it's, yeah, why well, do you well, say well, that, I guess? Why, like, how, 
I say that because having been in that advertising world for so long, I know that all the conversations are around numbers. Like nobody gives a crap about the brand anymore. It's just like, or, or if they do, it's secondary to how can I put in $1, get $3 back and like scale that forever, like, and call it a business. And I mean, one, it's, it's a disservice to brands that do have a lot of money because it's very hard to maintain results like that over a long period of time. Yeah. Trust me, I know. Like, I, I would have clients and we would do great for them when I was in that space. And then like all of a sudden something weird would happen and all of a sudden the CPA would drop and all, everybody's emotions would go haywire because it's like, oh, we're only doing two to one now and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm thinking to myself like, you know, back in the days when you could just do blanket brand awareness TV advertising, nobody was getting that granular with everything and businesses were still thriving because they were focused on brand and affinity and like building communities. And I just wanted to sort of return to that and then sort of, and honestly, I think Vesta is something that every company in the world eventually should be a part of, but we're starting it just for these small businesses and we're pricing it really low for that reason because I, I, I think that all of, the, all of my core beliefs about the sort of anti-direct response advertising world have to, are directly related to how can you build a community, get people talking about you, get people to love you? How can you get social proof out there so that other people can tell other, like, let's make word of mouth a thing again. Yeah, you know? interesting. And yeah, and, um, and, uh, and, and just start using our power and my background building these big media brands to sort of leverage and get you guys a ton of um, a ton of a ton of awareness around your brand because it will help. It will, at the end of the day, help sales a lot. But um, I think that if you focus on service and you focus on serving your customers and building communities around problems that you're solving as a business, at the end of the day, you will be much much more successful. And you don't have to directly advertise. It's not going to work for you anyway. So. That's why I created it. And, and that's why I think, I think it's a bubble that's ready to pop. I mean, how many, like, I don't know about you. I like, I see millions of direct response, like gurus, like in my Facebook and Instagram feeds all the time. Buy this, buy that, like be in this coaching program, be in that coaching program, like do this, do that. Run, you know, I'll run your Facebook ads. Like look at my RO, like my, my return on ad spend numbers. Look at my ROIs, like look at all of this stuff. And it's a bubble. It's like a, it's a bubble that's ready to pop. And at the other side of it, there's going to be a lot of people that lose a lot of money when the bubble does pop. And I think the brands that survive are going to be the ones that have a community, the ones that are going to be a brand and those brands need to have communities, you know, like that Jeff Bezos quote that is, is really popular, which is like, your brand is what other people say about you when you're not in the room, you know, yeah. it's about communities. Interesting. So what are your advice though for people to actually start creating that community around their product or service now, really? Oh, that, that's a really good question. It's actually what I teach. Yeah. I mean, well, create content, right? Okay. So, I mean, kind of like our, our, our core belief is that this is the way, like I teach PR at a college level and this is what I teach is that you don't need the media to your filter like back in the day when like ivy lee and all of them like created public relations and as it evolved through the 50s and 60s and 70s and all this stuff you you needed if you were a company you had very few ways to actually reach the masses with your messaging 
the whole point of public relations was to build massive amounts of brand awareness and affinity because you wanted to be liked. So you wanted to control the narrative. And the only way to do that was to go through the media because they had the trumpet and you didn't. Like you were just sitting there in your office and there was no way to reach them. Okay, so now you have the internet and now you can reach them. And so I'm trying to like help people see that there's a sea change here. I mean, you should be able, you should be creating media companies within your own company. And instead of pitching the media all the time for stuff, just be your own media, like create content, create your own messaging, go reach people directly. And don't just talk about your products and services, like give them value, like focus on value. The core, just to, it's a complicated process that takes me like weeks to teach. But basically what I do for creating content is map out who your persona or avatar is, figure out exactly who that is. I uh, make a lifestyle map about like the core things in that life that that person is, uh, that like speaks to that person that they, that, that are core to their life. And then ask yourself, what would that person Google about that thing and uh, about those things that are core in their life. And then those are your headlines for content. And it doesn't, it's, so it's not necessarily about your product. You know, I mean, if it's, if it's, I mean, if it's like, if it's like a, a, a burger brand or something, right? Like there's a lot more to somebody that goes and buys cheeseburgers than their food habits. They have like, maybe the target avatar always has kids, you know, like they have kids or maybe they have, um, maybe they're usually a blue collar worker or stuff like that. Like how can you create valuable content for those people? And then that builds a brand affinity and all of it ends up resulting in a better business with more sales. It'll just lift you up from the bottom up if you have faith in it. Um, but I think content is the key. Interesting. No, I a hundred percent agree with you. It, it's, it's interesting how many people, well, I, I, I guess I would argue you probably want to be, or at least selfishly with me, I want to be on all the current channels and trying to adapt the new ones that are coming out as well. Sure, I'm creating my own content and putting them on my own channels, but I also want other people and try to leverage other people's channels to get my content out there as well. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, totally. Like, like media isn't dead or anything. Sure. I, ju I just think that there's, there's a huge opportunity to, to, to go and reach people directly with content. Yeah. But yeah, I think collaborations are great. And I mean, and, and honestly, like shows like this, like still, like you get a platform and you get to reach people that you wouldn't reach before. And, and of course there's that credibility bump too. I mean, th right. this is why Vesta is not just creating content for you. That's why we're building the media brand because people are gonna be able to go to vestamedia.io and they're gonna be like, oh, this product is apparently awesome and I found out about it. And like, you know, like they're like, it's going to, it's going to have that third party thing, right? Like it's so much more powerful when like two, like one person tells another person how awesome your product is rather than you telling that person how powerful it is because it's just, it's just more, you know, it's why we read, uh, you know, 10 Amazon reviews before we, I always say this, like, where's my phone? Like, so I bought this $7 phone case the other day. Yeah. $7, I still read like 25 reviews before <laughs> I made my decision on it. Cause sure. like I need that. And so my thought was, why don't we generate that content for people, you know, um, so that we can start making word of mouth a thing again, because it is a, it is powerful. No, I a hundred percent agree with you. It, it's interesting how much control 
we have nowadays to basically put out our own stuff or add value or or become our own kind of subject matter experts in whatever field we're in, right? And I think, and I would put myself in this boat, so many people are scared to start sharing content and giving their opinion online. And I think there's gonna be people that agree with you, disagree with you and everywhere in between. And that's just part of putting stuff out there. But I think just getting over that fear and actually starting to put out your own content only benefits you in a lot of cases. Yeah, and like that's why there's this thing called earned, like when that this whole idea of earned media is that when, when you start doing your own content, you start crushing it and creating value for people, you're gonna get picked up by yeah. great like shows like yours and by others. And like that's great. Like it's just gonna amplify it like 10x. But how do you get seen by these media companies in the first place? Create your own, create your own content to do that. And then you can just like get the best of both worlds. And totally, like I totally understand being scared with it. I completely understand. I just think, uh, I think a couple of things. One, I think that like culture is like, we're, we're, we have, we're at a bit of a, a crossroads in culture where we're, we're, we're so scared of what we put online that it goes through a filter that doesn't have us on the other side. Like what comes out on the other side? Like if Instagram is a coffee filter <laughs> and, we put, and we put stuff in one end, which is authentic, on the other end of what gets through that coffee filter is probably not authentic. I mean, only about 30% of it makes, makes its way through and the rest is some version of it that you wanna be. This is why Instagram, I believe, why, why Instagram's getting rid of likes so that they can get rid of that post anxiety so that people don't feel like, you know, because this is like a thing where if you got less than 10 likes, people would like delete posts from Instagram because they, they didn't want to be seen as someone who was not adored on Instagram. So they would just get rid of it. And so that I think is why they're getting rid of likes because they just didn't want people feeling like they couldn't be their authentic selves or they would actually post less because they didn't, they were afraid of bullying or they, they, they were afraid of, um, of just getting any, any negative commentary on it. Um, so that's, that's one thing. I think the other thing is, like I really would, I, I, and I am, I, I've always been the worst at this, but I'm currently, if anybody wants to sort of empathetically come with me here on this journey, like I'm currently trying really hard to not care about what other people think. Really are. And I classically have a thin skin. Interesting. And I, I, I just, I, I've always taken things really personally, but I'm trying really hard not to care what people think because it's just like, not like, like it just it's just a it's just a thought or opinion that comes out of their mind. Like it's not it has very little to do with you and most most to do with them, good and bad. Yeah. So I think the best way, and this is this goes right back to being an entrepreneur, the best thing you can do is be authentic. And so the the more authentic you are, the more people are gonna like you because empathy is going to be, you know, I have a book coming out. I promise I'll have it coming out soon. First, it was like, it's coming out in November. Now it's like, it's coming out in December. And I'm like, oh, God, we'll see. <laughs> but it's called Producing Empathy because I'm obsessed with empathy. I think that it's on an online video because I feel like the reason why anyone clicks anything online is because of empathy because they emotionally identify with something that they see. And I just think that empathy is the key to business as well. Whoever you're selling to, whatever you're selling to, just remember the core problem that you're solving and like identify that like emotional connection that you can have have there. So I think like a return to authenticity and uh, you know, I mean, 
the best thing you could do if you're scared to put stuff online is put stuff online and just talk about how scared you are. I mean, just, just be authentic. I mean, be authentic at the end of the day. The thing is you're saying, you're, I mean, if somebody says that they're scared of putting things out online, I mean, you don't think this because we all have these complexes going on, but I mean, there's billions of people who feel the exact same way as you do, you know? hundred percent. That's what it's all. That's what it's all about. Well, I, I know I've said this a million times on the show, but I literally started the show to get over my fear of public speaking. So I'm like, I'm constantly yeah. working on it. I've been doing this almost five years now. And it's like, there's still some times that I still feel that anxiety of posting something online. Like it, so I don't know if that ever necessarily goes away. I feel like I've gotten over not caring what other people think anymore. Um, Partly, I think, because I've been a designer and I basically heard every good, bad, and other criticism about something I've designed over the years. So I've kind of developed a thick skin that way. But And that I think that's kind of applied to all the other stuff I've, I've done in my career. But I, I think the, re the realization that even the biggest people on the planet or like rock stars or like any of those people that get up on stage or put themselves out there in front of audience, like they still get anxious or anxiety or they still get that like scared to go on stage and even if it's their like millionth time doing it right a lot of these people still have the same feelings that you have yeah 100 percent. and you know the thing is like belief is really powerful like if you just believe that you're gonna win you'll win and and this is like i i like I'm, i i feel like i'm a pretty good public speaker and I, but i still get really nervous and then i just sort of I just sort of always say to myself before I get on stage or whatever, I'm just like, it's gonna, like, it's just gonna work out. But you're also a teacher, <laughs> you know, like, right? So you're working on that constantly because you're in front of a true. class all the time. That's true. You know, I never think about that, but I think it's true. Like I do, like I, I, I do teach a lot, and and that's probably part of the reason why I'm more, why I'm more practiced. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's always a very hard thing. But at the end of the day, I think the, the, the good takeaway here is that when you are scared of things, especially when you're scared of being public, the most authentic thing you can do that will probably you don't believe, like you, you may not believe this listening to me, but it is true that the more you can be honest about how scared you are, the more people will like you. Because they relate because they to you. they will see themselves in that. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's the key. Um, it's just, it's just cool stuff. Like I, I would love like more of a return to authentic, authenticity, kindness, like real true service, like all of these things. I just, I mean, I mean, they're, they're getting lost a little bit. Right. So hundred um, percent. Well, everybody's yeah. Instagram feed is basically just their highlight reel and they're not even like highlights. Sometimes they're like faked highlights. So it's like, well, it's not even your real life. So it's like a weird it's a weird thing I find with some, some of the social media know, stuff, yeah. right? Like, so I totally get- And it's never gonna, yeah. But, it, but I like to your point a few minutes ago, like if you posting this authentic stuff that's real, I think people relate to it more instead of this like created magical highlight that was just made out of thin air instead of it even being real, right? Right, right. And I mean, what's the worst that can happen? I think always ask yourself, what's the worst that can happen? Because you're never gonna, you're like very rarely gonna be able to come up with like an answer that's convincing there. Sure. No, 100%. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, somebody will like 
say something bad about me and you know i mean like that will hurt my feelings i don't know like, like it's never like it's not like it's never life or death or any, like that interesting i mean but the thing is we have to be and this goes to another thing that i'm obsessed with right now is like not being afraid to be different yeah at all because um and because it can it can actually if you when other people zag you can win that's what this vesta program is i was like can i come up with a product that zigs when nobody else zags and help the people that i like the most sure great then i came up with vesta but it goes to my you know my personal stuff too like i was born with uh short fingers okay and uh like i was just born that way and i hid my fingers under my under my uh like sweater like growing up like i have still sense memory of like me walking around and i was just scared of it and i don't even know why like I guess scared of what other people would think. And then of course, you know, asking myself what's the worst that can happen and like literally nothing and all of the worst times that came along with it was when I was ostracized or whatever. And it was just something that I would never think would be public. And I mean, now, you know, obviously now, if you go to my LinkedIn, like that's the story at the top of my LinkedIn is how this might've like helped me make the, make me the person and storyteller that I am now or whatever. And like not, not being afraid to be different but instead like owning your differences as your like truth and your own authenticity and then uh and then seeing how you can turn that into like a life's work i think that that's like the whole the whole thing like don't be afraid because at the end of the day you'll build that legacy by going against the grain don't don't be contrarian for the sake of being contrarian just be like relentlessly authentic and i think that you'll find you end up going the direction a lot of the time. No, I 100% agree with you. I, I think that's actually really good advice. Today's show is brought to you by FreshBooks, an all-in-one small business invoicing and accounting solution. I've been using FreshBooks for over a decade to send estimates for time and expense tracking, sending invoices, and collecting payments online. Then at tax time, I just generate a report that can be sent off to an accountant. To get a free trial of FreshBooks, please go to buildingthefutureshow.com slash FreshBooks. But you keep talking about teaching and, and PR. I, I want to talk about your thoughts around that industry right now, because obviously people have done PR for, for decades now, maybe even longer. It's, but you have some interesting takes on um, how you're disrupting PR. Well, when I teach it, I just say that you can go directly to the audience. You can create content. So I don't spend hardly any of, like, any of my time teaching my PR classes um, at a college level, I don't teach them much about pitching to the media. I do teach them a little because I, I try to make my classes as practical as possible. And I know, and this is part of the thing, because I know that most of them are gonna end up in, in public relations companies where they're still going to be judged on clips, right. which basically means, did you get published somewhere? And and that's like, that's your KPI is, where have you gotten the brand published or whatever it was? Uh, but I think the best, the best PR now is the content that you can create yourself because it leads to, as we said, it leads to earned media. So I think that, I think that the Vesta program disrupts PR by basically doing that. Okay. Uh, we're going to, we're going to build our own media company and you know, we're going to give you that. And then you're going to get a bunch of earned media off of that, obviously, because, the stuff that we do is going to get picked up by other places because we're this we're this third party 
um, and, uh, and, and, and we're putting, we're putting, we're basically going grassroots. It's, it's disrupting PR and it's disrupting, disrupt, such a buzzword. Can I use a different word? Sure. <laughs> I don't know another one, but, but we're also kind of disrupting advertising because everybody's going like, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. And I'm just like, when I, when I came up with the idea, it was basically, I wonder like, can I create something where I could like, partner with a brand and they could basically tap me on the shoulder and we could just go like grassroots style, like undercover, go create a community like for them, like below the radar. And that's sort of what it blossomed into was this, was this program. Um, and uh, nobody's doing anything like this. Everybody's trying to like bang a bunch of messaging from like a bunch of like different platforms and all of this stuff. And I'm a big fan in omnipresence, a huge fan of omnipresence. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just how I feel about it right now. Like if you, if you have something to say, just go directly to people and say it and motivate people to care about you. The best PR is done by your defenders. So why don't we create some defenders for you? Right. Like all the, like, like, like when, when Tesla was like, that's a bad example. Like, like every time that Apple does something that is like a PR disaster or something, you know, like a or disaster. I don't think they've had like a disaster, except for maybe like the Foxconn thing. But like when there's like when something bad happens, like somebody gets hurt because like an iPhone cable breaks and it like burns them or something. Like we used to do stories like this all the time at Business Insider. <laughs> I mean, who do you think like who do you think does the PR? Like Apple probably doesn't even bother releasing a statement or any of this crap. And if they do, it's like total whatever because they know that the real PR is going to be done by the Apple defenders. They're going to be yeah, out there. They're out there with the their iPhones running around with their white iPods in, like doing that signaling marketing all over the world. And they're going to be like, oh yeah, but I'm not going to stop buying iPhones. And it's just a fluke and whatever. Like they're, th these defenders are going to do the PR work for you instead of you, you know, I mean, what's going to mean more to you? Like Apple saying, we regret this, but trust us, our products are good. Or somebody else being like, oh, it's just garbage. We all know these are good phones. I mean, that's going to be way more powerful. So I thought maybe we would create a program that like made those super, like let's make super fans instead of just hammering messaging and like how powerful could that be? Like, that's what's exciting to me. And that's PR. Like, let's go grassroots PR, like, like from down up instead of from top down. Yeah, no, I, I think that's really good advice. And you're right. It, like you can, you basically can post something as simple as, um, what's a better operating system like Android or iOS? And you will, you will never come to a conclusion because you will have both sides argue it to the death of both parties, right? And so it's interesting to totally. your point that if you create a brand that people are so passionate about, they'll liter they're literally will argue it their side and your brand against another brand in their own free spare time, there's probably nothing better in the planet that can actually or, or for your company, right? Dude, I love it. And like, I, I have all this stuff swimming around in my mind, but I love conversations like this because I've never really articulated that. I've just, I'm just thinking about it right now. I was like, yeah, like the best PR is done in the trenches, not 
whatever the opposite of the trenches is, <laughs> like on TV or in like press statements or like, let's make sure that the Today Show has our press release to like get this out to as many people as possible. Like the best PR is done, is done in the, like it's done in coffee shops and cafes. And wow, this is really good. I'm just like, I'm gonna like go and like give a speech on this somewhere. Cause I'm like- you should. Ted Talk, it. Ted Talk. But yeah, like, I know I should, I should, I should Ted Talk this stuff. But yeah, like I think the best PR is done between people like in private spaces. But how do you access those people? Yeah. Um, and how do you get them to love you? Which is the real thing. So you love you, you get them to love you by giving them value. And you do that by giving them content and giving them good products and services. Um, and caring, like truly showing that you care about them and that you're not a transaction. So I think that that is like the truth of, of, of PR. And I think we'll find it in the grassroots. Interesting. And I also think too, People forget nowadays that even if you have a small reach, like 100 or 200 diehard loyal fans is better than a million people that don't really care about your brand and maybe never bought your product, right? Dude, that's so smart. Yeah, absolutely. I say this all the time. Totally. I mean, you, you would rather have, and like, it's more powerful to be niche like that anyway, because you may have a product that solves a very specific problem and it's not for everybody. Sure. But e even if it is for a broad audience, your, your rabid, like crazy super fans are going to be so much louder than the negative, like lukewarm folks. And uh, they're going to be way more powerful for, for you. So yeah, totally. You, you only need like a few people to move the needle. Like, we like, I think like our, our whole goal with Vesta is like, um, it's like, usually we'd like people to be in it for five months. I mean, I, I think we're going to, I think we're making it month to month now, but we're, we'd like for people to be there for five months so we can build a community. But if we can get a couple hundred rabid super fans in the community over a few months and we can get, uh, let's see, eight, like eight, like brand evangelists to like trumpet your amazingness all over the internet. I just think it'll go a long ways and it doesn't need to be thousands of people. It can just be, you know, a couple hundred, just a community of people that love you because a couple hundred people that really love you turns into a viral spree, yep. right? Whereas a few people that are like, this is okay, you know, don't turn into much at all. And then the worst that can happen is if you get the negative, like you actually build negative communities of people that like hate you. Yes. <laughs> and then and they spread that all over the place. I don't think like all press is good press necessarily, but, um, but yeah, you're totally right. It's a great point. Interesting, but we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself, um, Guide Social Investa? Sure, uh, let's do it. I'm sad that we're at the end because it's been so much fun. I know, we talked a lot, uh, it's good. I know, I know. We talked a lot, and, and we got into some uh, some some fun topics. Uh, so, so the site is vestamedia.io. The page to find out more about Vesta is uh, brands.vestamedia.io/slash/getvesta. And uh, if you want to find out more about me, I'm at mattjohnstononline.com. Um, I'd love to have you to follow me. Like I go, like I try to really, I try to really do what I preach or whatever the phrase is. I mean, I, I, I make a hundred pieces of social video content a month and I try to just get, and it's all value. I never like sell anything. And I always just try to plaster the internet with that content on all my social channels. And, uh, 
just because I think it's really important that I sort of practice what I preach there and just try to give people value. And so, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Thanks so much, Kevin. It's been really fun. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time of your day to be on the show and we will keep in touch because we have kept in touch. So uh, have a good rest of your day and we'll talk soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Right. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.